Can I get a roll tide? How about a boomer sooner? And how about them dogs? As Tom Brady once said, let's go! Tom Luganbill's with us. It's Monday Morning Live, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. We're extending 110% deposit bonus all week. MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. We'll get to Bama and the Jalen Milrow game in a second, but Luke's. Let's start at the Texas State Fair. I didn't didn't think. I didn't think Oklahoma could do what they did. Oklahoma wins it 34 to 30. And Dylan Gabriel, he was a baller in this game. He he was fantastic. Let's break this game down. Yeah, he really was. And the thing that stood out to me, and I know we talked about it last week, was the the question going into the game was Oklahoma going to be able to handle the Texas defensive front seven? Because with their schedule to this point, they hadn't been challenged. They hadn't been off schedule. They hadn't been behind the chains. And really what's interesting is the answer to that question was, yes, in the passing game, for the most part, they were able to control the line of scrimmage to get the ball out. But it was Dylan Gabriel's legs that really created problems for, for Texas. 113 yards on the ground. I thought Texas was very undisciplined in their run fits and their gap responsibilities up front, meaning that when there was something there not there in the passing game, there was a pretty wide open front door in front of Dylan Gabriel if he needed to, to step up and take off and run and, and get some much-needed yards and create a second chance. Um, you know, having seen Texas in person, I came away uber-impressed. I shared that with you. I knew Oklahoma was vastly improved, but I didn't think they would be the better team on the field. The good news for all of us is we're probably going to get to see this again. And and that's what's going to be really, really enjoyable. Because when a game goes back and forth like this, and it's a, it's a play here, it's a play there, it really just comes down to the very end and a couple of plays that have to be made at critical moments. And that last drive for Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma was near flawless, if not flawless, in terms of the plays that needed to be made at the time that they needed to be made. So I came away uh, remarkably impressed. I love how this weekend is further shaping the college football landscape to look like we could have some new blood lingering around in the back half of this season as it relates to the college football playoff. Yeah, that uh, that drive with a minute 17 worked out great. Let's look at Texas for a little bit, though. From the get-go, it looked like that they were playing – uh, on their hills a little bit. Uh, Brett yeah. Villable's defense came out, and they were hitting them. They were laying it to them early on. They were the more physical team, I thought, throughout the entire game. They absolutely were. They played faster. They were more decisive. Um, I thought they were more physical when it came to contact. Uh, they got off to a really good start because they got Quinn Ewers in that first drive kind of off-platform, and they surprised him a little bit. I don't think he felt like he was going to have that much of an an onslaught in his face. They turned the ball over early, so that swings the momentum right away. i tell you what, I haven't seen the first six, seven minutes of a first quarter like that in a long, long time. Dude, that was a lot of fun. Love Sark's calling the fake punt. I thought it took guts, but it needed to happen because they had to somehow – Get that momentum back. It was a wake up, right? It, it was a it, c- cold water in the face for his team. Wake him up, slap him. Let's go, guys. We got to do something. We got to do something. It's eleven o'clock in the morning, right? They're ready to play. We don't seem to be ready to play. It was uh, absolutely, unbelievably well executed. Yeah, I, I loved the first quarter. The first quarter kind of set the tone for 
what this thing was going to be. Who, who's going to make a play? Who, who's going to take a risk? Um, and, and Oklahoma made more plays. And, and you're right. I mean, I, I hadn't given it that much thought to what I was watching when I was seeing the initial part of it. And then I had to go back because our game was at the same time. But they just they outplayed Texas from a passion standpoint is what I took away from that. Listen, I love Sark, and I think he's the best play caller in college football. Um, it's 27-27. Time's ticking away in Oklahoma. It's yeah. third down, third down, and you choose there to run the ball. I think it was third and eight. You choose to mm-hmm. run the ball instead of throwing it, which is a riskier play, instead of throwing it and trying to pick up the first down to where you can tick that clock on down a little bit. You run it. You kick the field goal, you're up thirty to twenty seven. Excuse me, thirty. Yeah, thirty to twenty seven. You thought yeah. to yourself, "Well, my defense can hold them, and they should be able to." But a buck seventeen is a lot different than zeros on the clock. And yeah. I, I thought that was a little, a bit of a passive call there, the right call probably, but a passive call for one of the great play callers in college football. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It was a safe call. Um, and I, th- there may have been a part of him that was concerned whether or not they could protect him. You know, that they, they had struggled in, in losing their center in the first quarter. And yeah. when that happens, that, that dude is such an integral part of what they are up front offensively. Um, so there might have been some things that scared him off a little bit. It would be my estimation in that moment, that's an analytics call, and and you go with it in that moment. And, you know, we talk to so many coaches each and every week about the analytics book and we and, 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 and what the numbers tell you and the percentages and all of that stuff. But every single coach to a man that we talk to will tell you, yes, it's important. Yes, it's a factor. But there does come a moment where your gut has to fall in line, yeah. right? And – and um, maybe in that particular instance, it didn't for Sark. Uh, Sooner Rod, who's in with us early, makes a great point. They had just gotten sacked on second down, so he was throwing on second down, and they got sacked. So <laughs> probably didn't want to put Auburn even further back uh, if they got sacked again on third down. It's a great point by Sooner Rod, who's in with, with us early. Thanks to everybody who's in the Vulcan Tire and Automotive chat room as we get going today. We'll jump to Alabama in just a second. A little bit more on this game first, though, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie, making your money work smarter, not harder. Celebrate your winning season with MyBookie's biggest welcome offer ever, a 110 percent deposit match on your first deposit that keeps rolling along now all you do is go to mybookie.ag mybookie.ag use the promo code next round to claim your bonus one hundred dollars get you 110 that's how it works that's a 110 percent deposit that's as good a math as i'm going to try to do this morning it's quick it's easy got a full slate of uh, college football starting tuesday night all week long got baseball got the nfl it's all happening mybookie.ag the promo code's next round bet anything anytime anywhere with our friends at mybookie mybookie.ag so when you sit here and you look at texas and oklahoma and the state of the big 12 I mean, Oklahoma State beats Kansas State. Iowa State beats TCU. Texas Tech's three and three. They beat two and four Baylor. Kansas, who's already lost to Texas, uh, they're they're still a one loss team. But this looks like we're just destined for Oklahoma Texas. I don't want to get yeah. into a thousand scenarios, 
But with Texas and that win in their back pocket on the road against Alabama, if the tide stays strong, winner of the Big 12 championship game in could be some scenario that could get both of them in. But Texas, mm-hmm. everything is still out in front of them, I would imagine. If they are able to stay clean the rest of the way with that Alabama win in their back pocket, Oklahoma's unbeaten. That Big 12 championship game is basically a play-in game for the Final Four, in my opinion. Yours? Yeah, I would agree with that. All this really did for Texas is narrow, narrow the margin of error, right? So now, you know, it's 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 kind of like what we saw out of, out of Notre Dame. So you, you, you lose once. Got that heartbreak at Ohio State. Can't lose again if you want to be a college football playoff team. So just puts the pressure on you each and every week to know that, you know, it's win and you're still in each and every week. And maybe that's a good thing for Texas. Um, and, and to know that, hey, this is the deal. The good news for Texas is they already got past Kansas. When Kansas gets their quarterback back in the lineup, they're going to be a problem for some other people. Um, and so to me – I would love. I mean, to, I think it would be awesome if somehow Oklahoma was undefeated. Texas has one loss. They play in the Big Twelve Championship. Texas beats them, and then you have a college football playoff where both of them are in. Like how, that, that would be great. I mean, and I think I think fans would love it. Um, and it, and it's and it's you know it's a scenario that could play out that way because I still think when it's all said and done, it's going to be hard for for a Pac-12 team to come out of that conference undefeated or to have um, a Pac-12, well, one lost Pac-12 team, but then I think the rest of them might have two. We'll see how that plays out. Um, the Big Ten, obviously, is about three teams right now. Uh, the you know, Miami cleared the picture this past week for, for the ACC uh, to some degree. Florida State got back on track, and then Alabama's rolling. So, uh, and Texas looked, or excuse me, Georgia looked like everybody was wanting them to look like for the last five weeks. Uh, the back half of this season, Jim, and, and we were talking about it on radio yesterday, and we got into a college football playoff expanded discussion about, you know, going from, you know, four to 12. And everybody's well, saying, well, look at, look at what that would mean. Look at, look at who would be in. Look at the teams, the caliber of teams that are at 10, 11, 12 right now. And my response to that was, that's not what it's going to look like in six weeks, right? You're, they're all going to play each other. A lot of those teams are going to have a loss, and you're going to have an entirely different six to 12 group of teams than we have right now in week six. So on paper right now, it looks great. That's not how it's going to play out at the end of the, at the, end of the day. It's not. There will be one, at least one group of five team. Could be the winner of Wyoming Air Force this week. Um, but right now, that 10-11. By the way, by 10, the way Jim. But, yeah. That takes me to another subject that's really a, ugh, just sticks in my craw. What is it? So the NCAA, for all of their nonsense, um, and uh, kudos about the Tez Walker thing, um, but the James Madison stuff. Where, where they can't. I mean, they, they're going on two years yeah. now where they're being told that they cannot go to a bowl game due to ensuring that their infrastructure – and their financial resources to survive are at a, at a, a level that the NCAA sees uh, to be a standard that they would have to meet first. They've already met it. Yeah. They want, they, didn't they go nine and three last year? Yes. They could literally go undefeated. They could be the group of five team. All right. And we're sitting there telling them you can't play 
and you and you would be the best group of five team in the country. Yep. So not only are you tell them you can't pay, play for a New Year's Six game, you're taking money out of their pocket. That's right. The revenue that they would get from that, it's insanity. I understand that there are parameters in place for when you transition up. We're seeing Jacksonville State go through that. And those parameters are probably in place for good reason because you do want to make sure that they're financially successful and can and can transition well. But when you've shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are way ahead of the curve and you appeal to get the bowl thing lifted, that's got to be taken on an individual basis. And I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there. No, but, no. Uh, you, re- you reminded me when Wyoming beat Fresno State. And, and, you know, listen, it could be Wyoming. I still think it could be Tulane. I still think Tulane's really, really good. But, I mean, this isn't – what are we doing here? That's not fair to those kids either. I agree 100%. Georgia Southern James Madison home game this week on ESPN 2, 11 a.m. And then that Wyoming Air Force game, 6 o'clock CBS Sports Network, as those guys uh, try to uh, battle for the Mountain West, Wyoming beating Fresno, another ranked team in Laramie uh, this past weekend. The show being brought to you by our friends at Gutter Cap, and we'll get into uh, maybe Jalen Milrow's coming out party or whatever you want to call it. Our friends at Gutter Cap want to make sure that you're ready for fall this season by covering those gutters with that patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters. You don't have to change anything. See, Stu's crew will come out from Gutter Cap, clean out your gutters one last time, and then cap those suckers where you never have to worry about them again. Hey, here's something. If you're getting ready to sell your home in 2024, the gutter caps adds a little value on top of that home as well. Over 20 years of service in the Birmingham area. Stay off those dangerous ladders forever. 45% off retail price. GutterCapBirmingham.com. GutterCapBirmingham.com. Or call our friend Chris Stewart. 205-823-2212. GutterCapBirmingham.com. Here comes Alabama into College Station to play Texas A&M. And everyone from Las Vegas to Phoenix City was telling me Texas A&M was going to win this game, including Lance Taylor, who sits beside me every day for five shows. Uh, and the point spread was wacky. And Alabama was, you know, uh, on the road, 109,000 against that great defensive line of Texas A&M. Hey, and listen, six sacks of Jalen Milrow. But Alabama got to Max Johnson five times. It was a sack fest. Yeah. But Jalen Milrow, when he wasn't getting sacked, was a dude on Saturday, man. 321 yards. He threw some great balls, and he kept his composure. What did you make of Milrow this past week in Alabama's win? We sat here at this exact same time a week ago, and we said this is going to be a game where the quarterback at Alabama is going to have to throw the ball to win because you're not running the football against Texas A&M's front. And you saw that yesterday. Now, I understand the sack numbers brought the rushing numbers down, but – the run game with the running back was non-existent, right? So it did fall on Jalen Milrow's shoulders to to make the plays that needed to be made. I, I thought he made huge strides. Your point about composure and poise and playing the next play, not getting caught up in the sacks, um, not getting caught up in a mistake, uh, I thought was really, really impressive. I still feel like when I watch him, and uh, our crew actually has Alabama and Arkansas uh, this week. So we'll get the chance to see him in person in Tuscaloosa. But I feel like when I when I watch him, the deep stuff is really, really good. It's almost like the the more difficult throws, he throws better than the routine gimmies. So I think that's kind of the next part of his evolution is 
having some nuance in the short and intermediate game when it, when it comes to maybe taking something off the ball, a certain ball placement away from a defender, throwing guys open. But the deep stuff has been awesome. And you can really actually go back to the Middle Tennessee game, and he threw some really good deep stuff there. Um, he threw some nice uh, long intermediate and deep stuff against against Texas. So uh, I, I thought it was the Alabama defense each and every week is starting to get better and better and better. They're more disruptive, playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Really felt like that old Miss game kind of turned the corner for them, and they haven't stopped since. So uh, it was an impressive outing. It, re- it really was. And you talk about a must-win game. We just talked about, you know, Notre Dame and what they went through at Louisville, and now they're out of it. Every, every game, this is going to be the scenario for Alabama going forward. Yeah, listen, there's so many things I loved in this game. Um, some of it was the youth movement. Caleb Downs, by the way, that interception in the third quarter, I thought that was the game. That, that was the momentum changer because the one turnover for Milroe had just happened. And you just felt like yep. the Aggies were about to take care of business on that after that turnover on that drive. And there's, here's Caleb Downs, who film study only an instinct, jumps the route and, and yanks the ball away from it. It's a great interception from a freshman. Yeah. The kid is a special player. I think he's been penciled in as a starter from the moment he stepped on campus. He's just one of those mature kids uh, where the, the learning curve is not too steep. And again, if you go back to that play, it was created by pass rush because it put Max Johnson back as he's retreating. So he's got nothing on the ball when he, throw, he tries to throw the crossing route. He's got nothing on the ball. The ball dies and goes low and allows Downs to undercut it from behind. But again, that started up front. Pressure bursts the pipe, right? So I... um. Now, if you look at this from its totality, you're going to say, okay, well, there's still a lot of penalties. You know, Alabama had that one series where they had a bunch of procedure penalties. Yeah, nine false starts. Nine false starts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, false start. I mean, and again, you're in a hostile environment, but go back to Texas playing in Tuscaloosa, didn't have any. Yep. Right? So you're going to have to clean that stuff up. Uh, The the kicking game, um, I, I think that, when you, when you look at errors, like uh, Nick Saban and his staff will start watching to see, to look at maybe missed assignments and things that we wouldn't see watching the television copy, that there's there's things to clean up. But overall, there are a lot of positive things to build on there. Um, and there's going to be some, th- some things to clean up. I Honestly, I think that Texas A&M team is actually pretty good. Yeah. And, and they're, they're sitting here with that record, but they're capable of beating a lot of people. So I think the win is a really, really strong one. Yeah. Uh, A couple of things that just blow my mind in this game. One of them is Alabama. A Nick Saban coach Alabama team ran the ball for 23 yards. (laughs) Net rushing. 23 yards, and they won the game on the road. They held Texas A&M to 67. But a couple more bragging points on the defense. Uh, Anaya Smith. Uh, only had one good punt return. Will Reichard, who hadn't punted basically his whole college life since his freshman year, gets yeah. called on, and he booms punts, but he gets great hang time, averaging about 41 and a half yards a punt. But the hang time is so good that Smith, one of the better return guys in the game, is having to fair catch time after time. Smith fin- yep. finishes with only one good punt return, four receptions, 88 yards, 
Evan Stewart had three receptions, 46 yards. They took what Texas A&M does well offensively and in the special teams. They took that out away from them. And that with defense and special teams, that was fantastic for Alabama. Well, it's really what saved them because both teams were a push on third down offensively. Alabama had 14 penalties and one more turnover than Texas A&M did. So how do you win the game? It's those hidden plays in there. It's the it's the plays that you just referenced, the punts and the hang time and not allowing a return. Well, let's just say there's five of those, and on average you get a 12, 13, 14-yard return. Or you get on average you get an eight-yard return. Well, that would be five times. You know, do do the math. You're removing that field position yardage from the game. And so those little things start to add up. And when you're not playing particularly smart and disciplined, especially when it comes to penalties, um, that's where you win the game. It's it's that hidden stuff that we we don't necessarily pay attention. We look at the touchdowns, we look at the interceptions, right? We don't necessarily look at that stuff the same way. Another brag on 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 the Alabama offense and Jalen Milrow, and some of this is Tommy Reese, okay, the guy who's calling the mm-hmm. plays. And I want you to talk about this because uh, I think some guys will go in with their big play sheet and try to impress me by calling 67 different plays throughout the course of the game. They had something they liked with Jermaine Burton and mm-hmm. and Isaiah Bond, and they kept sticking to that. They had 12 targets on Burton, nine receptions for 197. Yeah. They had nine targets on Bond, seven receptions for 96. Tommy Reese saw a couple of matchups that he liked, and he didn't try to be the smartest guy in the room. He kept dialing it up over and over and over and over again. Yeah, he did. And I think you go back to the Miami game, and you see Miami did the exact same thing to Texas A&M. There was something in that secondary that they felt they had an advantage, and they attacked it, and they didn't, they didn't come away from it. And to be honest with you, because they couldn't run the football effectively, I don't want to say they were left with no choice, but – by and you're and you're right about you know having 60 70 plays or whatever it is it's usually not the amount of plays it's how the plays are window dressed so you can try and figure out how to align this guy to get him matched up on this guy but the play might be the same play that you ran in the last series out of just a different formation or different shift or emotion it 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 becomes about the matchup and how do we get our best guy on your weakest defender, on the, as many opportunities as we can. I mean, that's a high rate. You targeted twelve and you catch nine. Yeah. I mean, there's something there's something there that you feel like they have a major deficiency, and we're just going to keep going to the well, keep going to the well. And and listen, I Tommy Reese is is clearly I would when I say growing up, I say that because he hasn't had a quarterback in the athletic type of mold as a, as a Jalen Milrow. So he's trying to figure out too, all right, what, what can we do to maximize all those athletic gifts that he has, but still make him comfortable in the passing game and, and bring him along slowly. And I think as each game gets revealed and each, each time he goes out there as a play caller and every time they take a snap, Jalen Milrow is getting more confident and he's getting better. But, Here's the other thing, too, about this, Jim, and, and and there's plenty of criticism to go around in the early part of the season. But look across college football, all right? Kyle McCord 
new quarterback at Ohio State, Carson Beck, new quarterback at Georgia, Jalen Milrow, uh, of course. This was a this was a big thing. New quarterback at at, at, at Clemson. All those guys, it kind of looked like iffy. They were struggling a little bit. You're, we're questioning them in the first two to three weeks. All of those guys now are performing at a super high level. Carson Beck had the best game he's had of his career. Okay, well, here we are in week six or whatever it is, and those guys have played a lot more football than they played in week one. I think we, we've got to acknowledge we gloss over that sometimes, and the same is for Jalen Milrose. So um, guys are going to get better, and you know what? We're probably going to have a conversation on a Monday morning five weeks from now, and Somebody else is going to have, you know, three straight weeks of 350 yards and and not turn the ball over and have eight touchdowns, and they didn't play good in the first two weeks. Before we put um, the Aggies to bed, it is Jimbo Fisher's birthday today, and he's catching some uh, heat oh. for the way he managed late in that game. He punted on a fourth and one in, in Alabama territory just across midfield. Yeah. He burned a timeout to kick the field goal. I mean, if you burn that timeout there, don't you want to go for it and try to get the touchdown there by burning the timeout? Yeah. Um, you were down nine at that point. What do you think of those two things? He, he's catching some heat from his fan base, which is normal after a loss, but but they're pointing to those two scenarios, not just the loss, but, you know, hey, if you're going to go out, let's go out with balls to the wall, you know? Yeah, and listen, I think he's catching even more heat because of his response to the question post-game. don't know if you saw it, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially said, well, well, if it had been fourth and inches, we would have gone. Right. Fourth and it, fourth and one, fourth and a foot, yeah. fourth and two and a half feet. I Like, what, what are we talking yeah. about here? T- technically, think- Jimbo, it is, it is 36 inches. A yard. A yard <laughs> is 36 <laughs> right. inches. <laughs> That's right. If we break it down into inches. Um I thought in that moment, you go toe-to-toe with Alabama. There's a rivalry there, not just between the two teams, but between the two coaches. And you've got an opportunity to shut the door. Um, You've you got to do that. You've you got to go for it there. And you're good enough to get it. Now, I know they were struggling up front. To be honest with you, they got dominated for the most part by Alabama up front. But there's got to be something that you just tell your team, hey, listen, this is it, boys. Here we go. We're going to put it on you. We trust you. And and this is the call we're going to make. Um, I thought that and it, it got me thinking about the late night game with SC in Arizona. I thought Jed Fish in, in that first overtime should have gone for two and just ended it. You don't give the ball back to Caleb Williams. Uh, 100%. Don't. And then what a blunder that was. He didn't know that you can't kick an extra point in the second overtime. That's not a good look optic-wise. Um but, uh, yeah, I thought Jimbo missed an opportunity there to be the aggressor, to, to, to try to end it, finish this thing off. And, and you know, because not many people get opportunities to be uh, Alabama or get opportunities to be in a ball game late with Alabama, and they did. Yeah. As Craig points out, Jimbo didn't stick with the same aggressive tactics that he, he himself said he used to beat Alabama a couple of years ago when they pulled that upset. Everybody says that when you play Bama, you've got to be aggressive and play to win. He wasn't yeah. that at the end of that game. Craig, thanks for jumping in. We'll get to some more of your comments and coming up. You mentioned Georgia. Uh, they were not going to let Kentucky settle into that game. They just came out Ooh. slinging around the yard. It was over before Kentucky could even settle into that contest. A big win, 51-13. How important is it for them getting Rara Thomas into the offense now at receiver? 
Yeah, and 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 Rosemary Jackson as well. Just getting other bodies. You know, I have last week when we talked about this is as good as Brock Bowers is. Even when he's covered, he's not covered. Well, that can be dangerous because it can force a quarterback to have a laser focus on one guy and not adhere to the principles of the offense that should take him through his progression. That's where I thought Carson Beck did a really, really good job. They did get other people involved. They worked to actually get other people involved, and those guys came up big. That that deep crossing route, the deep over route that Carson Beck threw where he dropped it over the linebacker right in front of the safety oh. was a beautiful throw. Um and again, they made their they made their fair share of plays with Brock Bowers too. I was a little surprised at how wide open Brock Bowers was at times in in that game. But uh, Georgia looked Georgia looked like they're fed up with everybody talking about. It, right? I mean, that's kind of the feel you got. You know, Kentucky comes into that game, they dismantled Florida on the ground. So everybody's looking at Kentucky and saying, well, Brad White's done a great job on defense, which he has. Kentucky's getting back to more of that bully ball, and they're they're pushing people around. But they can't throw the football consistently enough to complement the the run game. And when the run game was shut down, they were done. Yep, and I gave LT a stake bet. Uh, I took under 67 and a half yards for Ray Davis. He thought he would win that one easily. So uh stayed in the <laughs> 50s for me, so a nice little stake coming my way from yeah. LT. Yeah. Uh, still a lot to get to in the second half of the show, including your comments and Louisville's big win, Ohio State getting it going in the second half, Michigan being Michigan. We'll get to the Mario Cristobal. We'll get Luke and Bill's reaction to what is one of being called one of the top five dumbest coaching moves in the history of sports. In the history of sports, not just college football, all that coming up, the show being brought to you not only by our friends at MyBookie. We got that 110% deposit bonus right now, MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag. Go if you want to, you know, do this for entertainment only. But if you want to, you know, throw a little cash on the game, MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag. Promo code next round for that 110% bonus that is extended into this week. I don't know how much longer it'll last, but take advantage of it now. Promo code next round, a 110% deposit bonus mybookie.ag and our friends at next round coffee we designed the grounds it's delicious it's got me going early on this monday morning we partnered with the folks at who is coffee to create the next round blend you can see everything who is coffee is about on their website who is coffee.com who is coffee.com our blend is for sale at nextround.store you can order it you can set up and get it sent to you on the reg there nextround.store for that specially coffee roasted on demand 100 percent arabica beans light medium or dark roast the next round coffee for you right now at the store next round dot store more monday morning live with lugan bill next you can win a dodge challenger rt or your share of twenty five thousand dollars in free play and cash at birmingham Racecourse casino the more you visit the more chances you have to win play the latest most exciting games around with fun bonuses and big jackpots you can be a winner too come win your share during the challenger rt and twenty five thousand dollar giveaway at birmingham Racecourse casino drawings october 27th and 28th located off i-459 exit 31 derby parkway must be 21 or older must be present to win 
as summer starts to fade, get ready to welcome the arrival of fall. But hey, it's not just football season making an entrance. In the world of pests, it's fall invader season. Hold on tight because we've got four major troublemakers stepping into the spotlight. Box elder bugs, kudzu bugs, ladybugs, and stink bugs. These pests don't just knock. They barge in like they own the place. But fear not. Dial up Wayne's Pest Control now, 865-588-6686. And let's show those fall invaders who's boss. Don't let pests crash your party. Take charge today. The next round is so much more than the show you get from 9 to 1 each day. So make sure to head to our official YouTube channel at Next Round Live and subscribe to get all of our latest content. We, of course, have plenty of specialty content and shorts based all around the sports in the heart of the SEC. But we also talk pro sports, gambling, lifestyle and entertainment, and so much more. It's the Next Round YouTube channel where you never know what you're going to find next. Subscribe now to see the latest content and get notifications when we go live. That's at Next Round Live on YouTube. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about my friends at Michelson Laser Vision, located conveniently UAB Highlands. Almost 20 years ago, I went in for the procedure. Only took 12 minutes for both eyes. When I went in, I had 2200 vision. I was legally blind. Now I have 2015 vision, still 19 years later. Make the call today. Schedule a hassle-free consultation. 969-8100. Dr. Mark Michelson, Dr. Jen Michelson, Michelson Laser Vision. Make sure you tell them the next round sent you. 969-8100 or Michelson laservision.com. Hey, Ryan Brown here from the next round. Do you want to help pay for my kids' college and look great while you're doing it? You need to go to the next round store. Everything from hats to short sleeve and long sleeve t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, zip-up hoodies, and much more, and we're adding new things all the time. Why would you not want to see my kids get a great college education and look great out in the public while you're doing it? Get the gear we wear all the time on the show, and there's only one place to get it. Nextround.store. That's nextround.store. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about our friends at Gutter Cap. Gutter Cap's that patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate that gutter cleaning. It's back with a lifetime warranty. Almost 20-year service record right here in Birmingham. Stay off that dangerous ladder forever. 45% off the retail price now if you call. GutterCapBirmingham.com. Call my good friend Chris Stewart now. 205-823-2212. Cap it. Don't snap it. It's Gutter Cap. MyBookie.ag bringing you Monday morning live every Monday throughout football season with Tom Luganville of ESPN. He'll be at the Arkansas-Bama game this weekend, which is straight out of game day, 11 o'clock on ESPN. Here's our chat room comments brought to you this week by Blakely's Bouquets. Blakely'sBouquets.com. Blakely'sBouquets.com. Or over the phone, 205-579-4900. I'll give you that number again in a second. Or you can stop by in person, full-service flower shop, Oxmoor Road in Homewood, Blakely's Bouquets. I didn't know this, but fall season, such a big flower time. People with their decorations for fall decorations in their house, and then Thanksgiving, the holidays, you got uh, the proms, the homecomings, the, the, the formals, all that. Blakely'sBouquets.com will take care of you. Blakely'sBouquets.com. That number again, 205-579-4900. 205-579-4900. Or in person right there in Homewood, Oxmoor Road, Blakely's Bouquets. All right, uh, Jerry. Asking you this question, Lugan Bill, is there a better chance we see a college football playoff this year with four undefeated teams or a two-loss team for the first time ever? Holy smokes. Two undefeated teams. No, four undefeated teams or a two-loss team for the first time. 
better chance. <laughs> still, you still got a handful uh, of unbeaten's uh, in the the Big Ten and the ACC, and Georgia's still unbeaten in the SEC. Uh, yeah, they're going to play each other. Oklahoma's like still unbeaten Big- in the Big Twelve. Handful in the Pac-12 still, right? It would have to be. It would have to be a two-loss team, but I don't. I don't even think that's even close to possible either. Um, you know, you're going to have Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan there, and they're going to all end up wiping each other out potentially. Um, I don't see four undefeated teams. It'd be one through four. I, I don't know, man. That's that's tough. Yeah, and NH three four two five. It's about time Jermaine Burton had a career game. Took him a couple of years, but he did have one coming up uh, this past season. BT Barry, hard to believe the season's almost halfway over. A lot of people have hit the halfway mark uh, after this weekend. Uh, we will uh, talk more maybe about that in just a second. Um, also, um, NH three two four five says it's weird. Uh, that Wyoming may be the new Group of Five team that makes a good bowl game. They're a good team now. They their only loss is on the road good. in Austin. They have beaten Texas Tech, ranked at the time, and now Fresno there in Laramie. But now they have to come off that emotional game, hard fought against Fresno yep. on the road at Air Force in a great Group of Five game coming up this weekend. Mario Cristobal as, as has everyone talking. What the hell was he doing at the end? Now I will say this up front: Alabama. Wasted some time at the end of theirs by throwing a pass there that luckily just went to the ground and they were able to salvage it and get out of there. So they weren't dialed in on the kneel down math at the end either. But Mario Cristobal cost himself a game and apparently he did this back at Oregon too and losing Against a game Stanford. to Stanford. So Luganville, what's up, man? Is this just a, a thing where as an offensive lineman he doesn't like to take knees or is this just, just a brain freeze here? Well, it's a brain freeze uh, in three different brains. Shannon Dawson, the play caller, the head coach, Mario Cristobal, and to be honest with you, Tyler Van Dyke, too. At at some point when you're on the field and you're in that moment and you know Georgia Tech does not have um, a timeout and a a call comes in like that, are you not looking at the sideline going, and why are we in the shotgun? Yeah. How about that? So, uh, listen, there's not all that many different ways to dissect this. It was just a, a blunder of epic proportions. We had people calling in the radio yesterday saying that's a fireable offense. And uh, I don't know if you can boil somebody's entire coaching tenure at a place down to one play, especially when they're in year two. Um but I don't know if I've actually ever seen anything like that. You know, when, Jim, when you said, you know, maybe one of the top five sports blunders of all time, regardless of sport, like give me four that are worse. Okay. I, the athletic did this. Okay. Here we go. Oh, okay. Let's see. What okay. do you got? Um, after the first period in the 1980 Olympics, the Russian coach pulled the greatest goalie on the planet from the crease. They put their backup goalie in. The Americans scored two goals in the second and went on to beat the Russians. So that guy played the final 40 minutes of that uh, Do You Believe in Miracles? And I think that was 3-2 final, if I remember correctly. So he allowed one goal in the first. They put in a new goalie and uh, and gave up two goals. The backup goalie gave up two goals in the second period. That seems pretty okay. bad. All right, yeah, so, but that, that, like, that's a coaching personnel decision that there must have been something behind that that he felt he needed to do in, like, another area, right? So, yeah. 
All right. That's, all right. That's a personnel decision. Okay. Game seven, ALCS 2003, according to the athletic. Grady Little with a gas Pedro Martinez on the hill. Yankees making that historic comeback, getting it to a game seven. Pedro is out of gas. Starting to get knocked around a bit. Little doesn't pull him from the game and going to a fresh bullpen. Leaves him out there, and the Yankees score runs and end up beating the Red Sox. Okay. Marty Morningweg and the Lions, back when the NFL overtime rules were different, wins the coin toss and elects to kick to the Chicago Bears, who you know goes a short field, gets in the field goal range, and walks them off, and the Lions don't even touch the ball. But the biggest one ever... That's this, up there. That one's up there. Yeah, the biggest one ever, though, is Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl throwing from the, what was it, the half-foot line, one-yard one line, instead of giving it uh, to Marshawn, and uh, throws the interception there. Yeah, but the... Okay, but here's the difference. That was a decision without a, a, a 100% certainty of the outcome either way. This was a 100% certainty of the outcome. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. Like, so, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying we should defend that Pete Carroll play, but he made, they made a decision. Maybe it was the wrong call. I know you got Marshawn Lynch, all of this and that, but what if Marshawn Lynch gets stopped? There isn't a what if here to this in any way, shape, or form. So I would put I might put this at number one. Yeah, I, I think I would too. Craig brings up a good point, and I do this all the time because I am a big. I play Madden in EA Sports College football. Can't wait till the new one comes out this summer. <laughs> Another a week going by where I'm sitting watching everyone asking myself as I watch TV, did anybody else not play Madden growing up with this awful clock management? I do that in my head when I get down to a certain scenario, man. I'm taking those knees. I'm milking that clock. I get the win. I don't care if it's. Uh, Bad sportsmanship if I'm playing somebody in Madden. Hey, buddy, you should have beat me when, when I didn't have to take victory formation. No problem with me yeah, there. You're doing it on your sofa. Yeah. Josh <laughs> says, imagine Cristobal interviewing for jobs in the future. You know they show him that play. It will haunt him for the rest of his career. There were some people at one point before he went back to his home school, if he had stayed at Oregon, a lot of people in Tuscaloosa loved Mario Cristobal. But yeah. Brownie has said it for years that he's a great coach everywhere except on Saturday. Yeah. Hey, he can recruit. He can. He gets good players. Does a lot of good things. Game, yeah. yeah, game management has been a struggle. Louisville, a first-year coach, Jeff Brom. It's it's the guy they wanted forever, except they yeah. kept going in kept going in different directions, and Brom wasn't ready for the job. Jeff Brom and his family, legends in Louisville, real big ties to that Louisville area high school recruiting. He goes in there in his first year. He gets a big win over Notre Dame, 33-20, sold-out stadium. They're 6-0. Jawar Jordan is a beast Twenty against Notre Dame now. 21 carries, 143, and two touchdowns. And they forced Sam Hartman into three interceptions. This was a beatdown for Louisville. I kept waiting for Notre Dame to turn the tide, Lugs, and it never yeah. happened. Louisville, anytime Notre Dame looked like they were get, getting, their, getting their footing and was about to come back, Louisville would just stamp them, stomp them out again. You know, it's interesting that because I said this about Ole Miss too. Louisville is an entirely different team at home than they are on the road. And um, you could also make the argument uh, when you talk transfer portal, 
they did as good a job in the transfer portal as anybody. You look at their quarterback, you look at Jamari Thrash, you look at Joar Jordan. Like, all of those guys were playing somewhere else the year before. And um, they just played – they didn't make the mistakes Notre Dame played. And, and you know, you, you referenced Oklahoma being more physical than Texas. I thought Louisville was too. Yeah. And, and, and they're not – they're not Notre Dame up front on either side of the ball, but they outplayed Notre Dame in that regard. And then Sam, they you know, it's interesting because Sam Hartman struggled there big time, um, turned the ball over a bunch when he was at Wake. So, you know, different team, different coaching staff, but something about that building isn't too enticing to, to, to Sam Hartman. But, man, if you look at Louisville's schedule and look at who they don't play – they could find themselves in the ACC championship game if they don't screw it up. Yeah, uh, I, I pinpointed Louisville as a weaker schedule and, and a possible team in the ACC championship game back in the summer. I never imagined, yeah. though, that they would beat Notre Dame in that contest. And now for Notre Dame, it's a big one with USC coming to town. You already mentioned USC escaping with a win 43-41 in overtime against Arizona where Caleb Williams, by the way, only completed 11 passes in regulation. Uh, but he ran the ball well and saved that team again. But 43-41, here comes USC in South Bend against a Notre Dame team that just looks like they're out of gas um, what do you make of that game this weekend? That, that's the exact phrase that I was going to use. They look so physically and emotionally spent that I don't know if they have anything left. And if they do, they got one heck of a coaching staff preparing that team, and they got great leadership in that locker room. Now, the, the thing that Notre Dame is going to have a real significant opportunity to achieve in this game is keeping Caleb Williams on the sideline. Because SC is so embarrassingly bad on defense that Notre Dame might just be able to line up and play keep away. I mean, it's, I don't, what are, we, I know the AP poll doesn't matter. Is anybody with AP vote watching USC? Like, how do you have them ranked there? I don't, I don't, I, I do not understand this SC team. And and I understand it's Caleb Williams, and I understand it's Lincoln Riley. I I mean I on if they did not have Caleb Williams, you could make an argument they would be a five and seven football team, maybe four and eight. And that's how good he is. But that team's not a. And again, they played the 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 people that are going to really give them a problem yet, and that's coming. It right. is coming. But, man, I just don't understand what everybody's love affair is there. Well, I mean, take take USC-Alabama, for example. Uh, USC's 10, Alabama 11. If they played each other, you know, oh. could, okay, but could Alabama score enough points? Or, or could would USC struggle well, not, to score? USC would struggle up front severely. And I think that's what SC hasn't faced yet. Now, they faced it a little bit against Arizona, which was surprising because I don't think anybody expected that. But I don't know if Alabama would have to score as many points as you would think because I don't think they'd have the ball as much. And when they did have the ball, it wouldn't be easy the way it's been against the teams they've played to this point. So I just don't I don't understand that ranking for them. I know it's all offensive base, but, man, I mean, they are – atrocious on that side of the ball 
Colorado got a late second win against Arizona State uh, on the Pac-12 Network, so a few people saw it, 27-24, a walk-off field goal. Ole Miss beat Arkansas. Arkansas comes to play Alabama. They're struggling a bit offensively. In the Big Ten, we didn't talk. We didn't talk a ton about Michigan's schedule preseason because we knew it would probably come down to Penn State and Ohio State, and it still will, yeah. but... But Michigan continues to mow down everybody on the road, fifty-two nineteen or fifty-two ten over Minnesota. There, they, they, after the is it a bye this week for Michigan? Nope, they get Indiana this week. Two and three Indiana. So it's, so it's a bye. Yeah. Then they get two and three Michigan State. Then they get two and four Purdue. That's their next three games, and they really haven't played anybody yet. But I don't know if it matters. They're just good. They're good. I, I think that's a really fair statement. You're, you're right. We can sit there and nitpick and we can poke fun at the schedule and things of that nature. But when you watch them, it may not matter who they're playing. Like they, they are real. Now, you know, they, they get into a close game with somebody that can compete with them athletically. It, it'll come down to execution and mistakes and all of those. But against the teams that they're playing against right now, they can make a mistake. They can turn a ball over. They can have 10 penalties. They're so vastly superior to the opponent. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, but Garen says Michigan Indiana is the big noon kickoff this week. That that is true. Eleven a.m. on Fox. God bless them. I uh, hope they. I hope they have. <laughs> I hope they have their Vin Scully hat on in the second half so they can start telling hey. stories. Hey Jim, how come nobody ever calls calls in or gets into the chat room and like blasts us or blasts me about anything? I mean, this is way too polite. For, for uh, seven o'clock in the morning central time that's how we are that's how we are uh in in the south we're we love football we're the smartest football fans in the world there's nothing to blast you about when when, when we're when we're talking about you know great things like Jaden daniels on the road at missouri oh my goodness uh that's if where all on a two-loss team he'd be a heisman he'd be a, a heisman maybe front runner yeah, he my, is carrying that football team. Auburn coming off a of bye week. Hopefully Hugh Freeze is in on the game planning like he was for Georgia on the offensive side of the football. Tricky game for LSU this week with Auburn, or can they uh, can they stay uh, you know without losing again before they come to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama, keeping that game big on the national scale? I don't know if it's a tricky game. I just don't know if there's enough firepower, enough gas in the tank for Auburn. I mean. That, Auburn is not in a position to get into a track meet style of game. I think Hugh Freeze and the staff knows that. They're going to need LSU to make some mistakes. Um, I just don't know how they're, they would be expected to keep pace if, you know, if, an, if LSU got up on them 14 to three or 17 to three or something, how are they supposed to crawl out of that hole given who they are right now within the program on, on offense? And so, um, that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Um, other people are wanting to know. Um, you tell me, Lugs, UCLA still has more wins left in the Pac-12 because of their defense. And what do you make of Oregon-Washington this weekend? That's from Wester. Wester in the chat room. Yeah, listen, I, I think UCLA is really good. Now, it helps when the other team comes into your home stadium and turns the ball over four times. Um, and Washington State was a shell of what they've looked like leading up to that game. But, you know, credit this shouldn't be a surprise with UCLA. They were returning nine starters off of that team that was a pretty good defensive team last year. And that, and it's enabled them to bring along a young, very talented, inexperienced, true freshman quarterback. And they did a nice job in the transfer portal on offense, too. So, yeah, I think there's more wins on the horizon. Um, or Oregon-Washington, to me, is kind of, I think, going to be what we've talked about all along with this with this league 
It's going to go deep into the fourth quarter and and likely become a one-possession game. The, the question for me is, can Oregon get Washington off the mark in the vertical passing game? I think Michael Penix Jr. is the best deep ball thrower uh, in America. They That is not a dink and dunk offense where you're saying, wow, this guy's completing 70-some-odd percent of his passes, and you're going, well, wait a minute, he's throwing bubble screens and slants every time. That is not what Washington does. And so how if Oregon can limit that, um, I think that's a recipe for success uh, for the Ducks. I'm having a hard time picking. What's the line on this one, Jim? Uh, I'll check on I'll check on that um, real yeah, quickly. Yeah, because I'm, I'm this one is it's a tough place to play. Um, I almost feel like it's a pick 'em. Yeah, I would um, imagine somewhere around three and a half, though. Actually, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll chase or, it down. Yeah, or two something like that yeah i mean that's that that's that's a that's a tough line but i think it's gonna be a great football game and i think it's gonna be one of many great football games in the back half of the season that we're gonna look to in that conference and i've said for weeks if somebody comes out of there unscathed just throw them in the playoff because they are going to be a team that can win on the road win one possession games and probably makes their own breaks. Yeah, while I'm looking that up, uh, Terry wants to know what you think of Alabama's offensive line at this point in the process. What do you think of Alabama's offensive line play? Now, coming off a game, they got six sacks. Uh, yeah. There were there were times, though, I thought they protected well. It just wasn't all the time. And I, but I think that's, that's where, you know, your coaches talk about consistency, right? Consistent performance of production. And that's not what they are. I kind of feel like what we see is what we're going to get. And it's going to be something they're going to have to manage and work around each and every week. Like we might be having these same conversations in week 10. Um, it's just a, a group. And again, they're not very, they're a young group. This isn't a bunch of wily veterans in that offensive front, especially on the left side. They're talented, but they haven't played a lot. And I think people have thrown some things at them. Uh, like they busted the protection on the the sack fumble that Alabama ended up recovering off of the left side on the free rusher that Jalen didn't see. Jalen thinks he's protected there. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the the Kalen Deloach Florida State uh, strip sack fumble and return a uh, Clemson Florida State. Kate Klubnick thought he was protected there and should have been. They busted. So you're going to have some of that, but I think that, that we're going to see this probably the entire season at times with Alabama. Washington minus three is the mybookie.ag line. Washington minus three. So basically the home field advantage for the Huskies yes. there. Uh, our final two and a half minutes of the show brought to you by our friends at Way to Wellness, your journey to healthy living. You can go straight to their website, aplanforme.com. That's their website, aplanforme.com. It's a specific plan for everyone. No cookie cutter plan. Everything's designed just for you. The program's overseen by board certified professionals. There's no contracts, no sign-up fees, and you get a free consultation. The website, again, is a aplanforme.com, aplanforme.com. Way to wellness, a great way to jumpstart your weight loss, or as you get older, if the blood pressure, cholesterol numbers are getting out of whack a bit, healthy eating helps get those numbers back into a great place. Aplanforme.com, it is way to wellness. Michael says, I hope Malachi Moore will be okay. Has anyone heard an update? Post game, it was an ankle sprain. Um, 
did not sound like it was going to be too bad, but that's something we'll wait and hear from Nick Saban today at 12 noon. They brought in Trey Amos, a guy you know very well, another big recruited DB who played corner, and they moved Terry on Arnold off the corner into that star position. Why is that such a big deal, that star position in a Nick Saban defense? Uh, is, it, is it more complicated to play star than it is corner? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think your football IQ and acumen, especially the younger you are, is going to really limit that position. They ask a lot of them. You're going to have a lot of communication coming from that uh, position. So you're better just taking the freshman, putting him out on an island where you can limit what he's asked to do. Um, if you if you need to, you can literally say, hey, we're going to play cat coverage, right? All right, you cover that cat, you cover that cat, you cover that cat, and – and not ask him to get into some of the minutia uh, that he's probably not prepared for yet. Okay, quick answers on all these. Uh, Brett, can Colorado win two more games to get uh, to six wins? Yes, um, and it would be Stanford and potentially Arizona. Stanford this week, Arizona's a tough game. Uh, Jerry, why is Brock Bowers not getting more Heisman consideration? He's the best player in college football. Because of the position he plays. I know that's a bad answer, but unfortunately, it's a truthful one. Um, can anyone, anyone beat Georgia in the regular season, says uh, Gary? No. No. Great quick answer in the final few <laughs> seconds. Tennessee down the road, maybe, but we'll see. Georgia looks good. Alabama, Georgia right now on a path to Atlanta. Lugs, we'll see you in ball and spitting Lugs this week. Enjoy your Monday, everyone. The next round is coming your way live at 9 a.m. Central. If you miss any part of this show, we got a replay for the next hour. Everything brought to you by mybookie.ag. Promo code next round for that 110% deposit. Mybookie.ag. Have a great day, everybody.